0: Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. Today, our topic is overcoming bad advice. You know, as preachers, we have people give us advice, and especially an old preacher likes to come along and put his arm around us and say, "Listen, son, you need to make sure you do this." Well, we've actually talked about bad advice before on the podcast, and. Some of the bad advice that we've talked about, I say this is bad advice. And I think David does as well. That one idea, if you can do anything else, then that's what you need to do. Don't surrender to the ministry if you can do anything else. And I I think that's bad advice. That's bad advice. You lose years that you could have given to the Lord. That's right. And then the other thing of bad advice we had talked about has just been recently during the month of January, we talked about this idea of preachers can't have friends. I think I described it, I was aloof. Mm -hmm. I was aloof with some of the church members, and it was because we had heard preachers can't have friends. You had heard that. You had mentioned that Mark Hoover had heard that as well. And there have been others since that time who have said very similar things that they had heard. A preacher can't be friends with someone in the congregation. And so we're talking about bad advice and some of the bad advice that we've heard before. And so David, I just want to ask you, what's, What's some bad advice that you've heard before? Yeah, man. Well, I have heard my share of bad
1: advice, and I want to start with this idea. Here's some bad advice. Focus on your strengths instead of your weaknesses. I believe sometimes people say, well, hey, if you're good in this area, then pour every bit of energy you have into becoming the absolute best at that area. And I'm just going to be honest with you. My doctorate, which is focused on discipleship in the lives of pastors, has made me such a more well rounded person. I had studied preaching and I had tried to perfect the art of preaching. And so venturing out into studying about discipleship has made me a more well-rounded person. Thomas, I think the end goal for me is not to be the best preacher I can be. Hey, I want to be the best preacher I can be. The end goal for me is, man, I want to be the the best Christian I can be. I want to be the best Christian. I want to be the most like Christ that I can be. And so I want to focus on what I see as a weakness and help build that up into a strength.
0: You know, actually, our seminaries used to be based upon the idea of strengthening all of the different areas a minister may serve. And so they they learned the biblical languages. They learned how to Uh, translate. They learned how to interpret. They learned how to preach. They learned how to do discipleship. They learned philosophy. They learned all of these different things. And today we have specializations. You go to seminary and you learn a specialization. You go to a church and you specialize in something. And if you don't like it, then well, just hire you an associate pastor who will do it. (laughs) Or get you a recreation minister to do that, or a family minister, or whatever it may be. It's based upon that idea, focus on your strengths, forget about your weaknesses. But a a better well-rounded Christian or servant would be one who tries to strengthen all aspects of their life. And you know, Thomas, really, you and I both pastor churches that are
1: under 300. And if you're going to pastor a smaller church like what you and I pastor, you've got to be that jack of all trades. You may not be master of any. You've got to be a jack of all trades where you can be a well-rounded person. You can sit down with that guy who is a PhD, or you can sit down with that guy who's a ninth grade dropout. And you've got to be able to, to, to use every aspect of the personality that the Lord has given you, and you want to enhance those
0: weaknesses. Yeah, I agree. And as I've heard some preachers say before, you have to be the pastor, the preacher, the chief uh, baby bottle washer, (laughs) all of those things. The discipleship pastor, the VBS leader, and everything in between.
1: That's right, man.
0: For me to have a better understanding of what we were talking about, I put out a social media post. And uh, we have actually a Facebook page for our podcast. It's called the Ministry Marks Podcast. It's on Facebook. And so if you'd like to find us there, you may. We post uh, some of our podcasts there, and post some other information as well. But I posted a question. What was some bad advice about pastoring, preaching, ministering, or whatever some preachers had heard? And then I had quite a few people respond to that. And as I was reading through those, I couldn't help but think, man, yeah, I've heard that too. I've heard that too. Yes, yes. And so what I want to do is I want to just say, you know, one of the things that I've heard before is the same thing that Brandon Powell had written about on that post. He pastors at First Baptist Church, Byram, and he commented about this idea of preachers should not prepare yeah. Their sermons. Yeah, they just need to get up there and they need to pick a text. Yeah, pick a topic on the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. and preach a sermon. <laughs> and of course, what are your thoughts on that, Thomas? Well, I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> that just the thought of that just bothers me. Uh, there have been times where I think God has placed something on me and that I have spoken extemporaneously in the moment. It's been Spirit-led. But that doesn't happen every Sunday. And I believe that if I was doing that every Sunday, then the congregation would hear very similar topics over and over. But what I need to do is I need to study. I need to prepare. I'm going to write out my sermon, and then when I get up there, I may not. I don't read it. I don't read my sermon, but I may just move away from it completely. But yet I'm going to allow the spirit to move in that. But I'm going to prepare. Yes. Yes. I'm not going to wait to the moment I stand back there and just flip my Bible open and start reading. (laughs) That's right. And read, read something off the wall. And yeah. then
1: try to preach on it. Man, I totally agree. And before I read what Brandon Powell said on our Facebook page, this is what I wrote. Preparedness undermines the work of the Holy Spirit in preaching. Some people think that, and they might even share that. And I think that is bad advice. An old-timey preacher once said this, that preaching is taking a text and taking a fit. Just, I've heard that just before. go to
0: preaching, man. So, And yeah. very similar to this idea is, is the rebuttal of Preaching systematically. So I preach through books of the Bible. I preach expository systematic sermons through a book, systematically through a book. And I know you have done something similar. And even now you preach expository sermons that are based upon a topic, but you do so systematically. That's right. So you know what you're going to preach probably for the next absolutely two or three weeks. Absolutely. At least. Yes. And for me, I know what I'm going to preach. Next two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm preaching through Acts, and so it's not as long as Luke, but but I, I know what I'm preaching till September. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's how far I've got the book lined out. Yeah. But they would say the same thing. Well, you're not relying upon the Holy Spirit. That's right. And and of course I would argue that the Holy Spirit wrote the text mm-hmm. and that we are fully following the Holy Spirit's design when we are preaching through a text— that he inspired the person yeah. to write from beginning to end. Yeah. And so, An old pastor once told
1: me this, that he was going to preach at a, I don't know if it was like a Bible conference or if it was like a revival, but he was a guest preacher. So this was not his church. This was another church. He said there was a large crowd that, that evening at that church and that the choir loft was filled with people. And he said as he was given the invitation to come and preach, and it might've been like in a revival, but anyway, he was given the invitation to come and preach. He said, as he was leaving his, I guess, his seat on the front row and he was walking to the pulpit, he heard someone in the choir loft say this in a way that they made sure he heard it. This is what they said. Lord, if he's preaching with notes, strike him dead, is what he heard a person (laughs)
0: say. Oh, man, that's terrible.
1: So my question was this, were you preaching with notes? He said, sure was. (laughs) (laughs) So the Lord did not answer that prayer. That prayer was outside of the will of God because God let that person live. But there are some people who feel that way. But I think that preparation enhances the work of the Spirit. Man, that's why I prepare like I do. You know, my routine on Mondays, I get my outlines. On Tuesday, I begin to really flesh out that skeletal outline. By Wednesday night, I have finished my sermon. And then today is a Thursday. I preach this Thursday morning at Charleston Place, the message I will preach Sunday morning. And I think preparation allows the Spirit of the Lord to fine tune that message yeah. by the time you get in the pulpit.
0: That's good. Amen. What's your other advice?
1: Okay, my other advice, my third piece of advice is this. Uh, I was once told this. The role of the pastor is to drag the church along, and the role of the deacon is to hold the pastor back. I think that is terrible advice. The role of the pastor should drag the church along, and the role of the deacon is to hold the pastor back. Uh, Thomas, I I have a novel idea. (gasps) I know, I know. You're surprised. I want you to listen to this. This is a novel idea. I think that pastors and deacons should work together whoa
0: that's going to revolutionize <laughs> the
1: church <laughs> i know it it is outlandish nobody has ever done this but i think i'm going to get a t-shirt designed about <laughs> it yes pastors and deacons should work together the role of the pastor is not to drag the church along and the role of the deacon is not to hold the pastor back all right thomas give us some more bad advice that we
0: should overcome so you you've already given your third one, so I'm going to give my second one because yeah. our, my second one was your, your first sec- one, and my was my yeah, second. My first one, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give my second one because my first one was the same as your second one. That's right. And so my second one is something that Larry Robertson, who's the pastor of Hilldale Baptist Church in Tennessee, he wrote: "Never let a better preacher preach oh. in your church or your pulpit."
1: Yes, have you heard that before? You're, I, I read what he said, and thought it was hilarious. Do you have the rest of it written there I before you? I don't. It says, "Like my people didn't know there were better preachers out <laughs> <Yeah>. there." And <laughs> again, one of those weird winky faces. But yes, that is right, man. That is so crazy. So often we are intimidated by good preachers.
0: Yeah, so we we need people in our pulpit that are good preachers people who are going to come and to compel our congregation. And we need to be able to sit in that congregation and hear good preaching. That's right. Yeah, I, I don't want to sit through bad preaching. No. <laughs> and so I want someone good to come in and to preach. So I want preachers who are definitely better than me. Mm-hmm. Everyone who comes into my pulpit, I want them to be a better preacher or have something different to bring to my congregation than I do. So let me ask you this. Okay. <laughs> I got I'm gonna ask you first. Now I'm gonna ask you first. What are the factors that lead you to pick a preacher over another one? Oh boy, that is really
1: good. Okay. Now we're I know what I got mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me yours first. We're talking about
0: like us as a pastor, who do we get to come do a revival? Is that what you're kinda of thinking of? Yes. Yeah, tell me. First and foremost. I want someone who is going to be faithful to the text. Yes, absolutely. If they're not faithful to the text or if they're going to read a passage and then jump off into somewhere else, I I do not want that person. Faithfulness to the text is number one. Number two would be preaching style. There are people who are faithful to the text but they were boring to listen to. Yes. I want someone who my people are going to like to listen to and who are going to come and is going to be able to preach in such a way that people are excited about the passage and excited about what the person, what he is saying. Yeah. There are some people who can really dull, <laughs> dull a message out, and, <laughs> and that's not what I'm looking for. Yeah. And then third, a friend. I yeah. mean, somebody, somebody that... I mean, I want a friend. I want somebody who is faithful to the text. I want to value their preaching style, but I'm looking for a friend as well. Someone who I can get to know better, someone who I do know that I can spend time with, that I know my people are going to like, who are similar in theology and similar in in affections or whatever that may be. Yeah. And so that, that's what I'm looking for, friendship. Yeah.
1: And, and Thomas, I agree with that. I, I, I've never used an out-of-state evangelist, and I have zero plans of using an out-of-state evangelist unless something changes in my mentality. But I want someone that I know is faithful. I typically ask pastors to come and preach our revivals. i always ask pastors to come preach our revivals, because I know they are faithfully serving that congregation. They're not just a seven sermon wonder. These guys are bringing the word week in and week out. They're doing the work of discipleship. They are doing the work of leading. They understand the small church in Mississippi because they pastor the small church right. in Mississippi. And, and that that's kind of what I like to see in a pastor. Uh, something that I do is, you mentioned a friend. The guys that I have come or guys that I am friends with uh, because I know them and I love them. And I know that their preaching ministry is going to greatly enhance the the spirituality of our church or the spiritual nature, spiritual health of, of the congregation. And then I try to do young, old, young, old, young, old is what I try to do
0: now, now, now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. No, wait. Oh, yeah. I, huh. I came and preached. as you. Yeah. And then Tim, Tim Bass, Bass was the next right. He was the old man. That's it.
1: So if Tim Bass is faithfully listening to our podcast, <laughs> yes, Tim, I am calling you old. That's right. So I did Thomas Majors, and then I did Tim Bass, and then we did Andrew Chastain. Andrew's 26 years old. Now, let, let me tell you something interesting about that. Chastain is the pastor of FBC New Albany. We've had him on our podcast before. If you're a listener, you know Andrew Chastain, one of the best things one of the best things that chestine did for our church was this we have a lot of senior adults in our church and they left saying wow there's hope in the next generation this 26 year old young man came and brought the word now he is a fine preacher he is a fine preacher but he faithfully handled the text and they said, you know what? All young guys aren't bad. And so this right. this 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 next revival coming up in just a few weeks, Trinity Baptist Church, David Hamilton is who we're having. So <laughs> he's gonna be the old guy this year. So, oh baby. we I, I love I love the guys that I've had preach for a revival. I love them and I love what they are able to do with with the time they have. We do Sunday morning, Sunday night, then we do we do lunch services Monday through Wednesday where the where the person kind of does a sermon had, you know, a little Bible study. Yes. And then would do evening worship services and it is so good to see my friends pouring into the life of of my church family and i'm I'm excited about it so i I like
0: that too yeah all right so my third my third advice is something that the former pastor of trinity wrote my good friend yeah old brother don he wrote, don't change anything for the first two years. That's some advice that he had heard before, and he said it was bad advice. Yeah. And that is bad advice. I I, I agree with that. Now, I've, I've not necessarily heard someone say, don't change anything in the first two years. But a lot of times I hear someone say, do not change anything in the first year. And I th- I think that could go either way. I think it's bad advice when people hear that and they do not use a discerning spirit to to discern between the advice and where they are going. And so a person who just hears that and says, well, I can't change anything for the first year. Yeah. Well, they're making a grave mistake or the first two years, they're making a very grave mistake. A person needs to go into the church. And have this understanding that there is going to be a tension between the movement they want to go and them getting to know the people. And so they need to take some time to know the people and get to get to understand the the culture of the church and the personality of the church and then make decisions based upon that. And what we see sometimes, though, are that. Pastors do go in to a church and they make decisions too early that they really shouldn't make. And that's my experience. Yeah,
1: You know, Thomas, we want to strike while the iron is hot. But that first, that whole first year, the iron can be just as hot at month 11 as it is at month one because of that honeymoon phrase. And so I believe that we can still strike while the iron is hot. On out there at about a year. And I think things of a spiritual nature must be dealt with as, as, as the Spirit directs, whether it's month three or whether it's year three, you deal with those things as the Spirit leads. And you can't just look at the timetable and back off or pursue anything at any given time. You have to follow the Spirit's leadership.
0: Yeah. At a previous church, I made a decision at month 10 to change something of significance because, well, I, I thought uh, it was important for me to do so for theological reasons, and I did so, but it it really cost me my ministry there. I never, I never was able to necessarily recover from that because I became the enemy, the person who was changing what they had always done, but it was one of those decisions that I kind of weighed the balance. Is this something I'm willing to die on or is it not? I said, well, I don't, I don't think I'm going to necessarily upset that many people. But it was just one thing after another. And I made the decision first year, in my first year, around month 10, and I made it to 23 months there. That's right. That's
1: right. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: then of course I, I came to Holly Baptist Church. So there's definitely, there's definitely some advice as far as you being patient, get to know the people, make small changes. Automatically, when a pastor comes in, he's going to make changes. Mm-hmm. He's going to make changes as far as the preaching style. Absolutely, He's going to make changes according just to how he relates to the people. and But then he needs to be careful about other changes. But there's got to be some movement in the church. And if you're waiting two years. Yeah. You're making a big mistake. Big time. You sure are. So, yeah. Well, Thomas, you and I have both been the,
1: uh, the recipients of bad advice, but you know what? We've been the recipients of some really good advice, and I am thankful for the advice that has come my way. What's one
0: good advice that you've had? I wish
1: you would asked me about 10 seconds earlier to let me think. Oh, uh, hey, preach the word. Preach the word; you can never go wrong when you give someone the advice of Bud. Why don't you preach the word? So I would say that that rings up in my mind as I as I kneel in prayer in my office before every Sunday as I go out to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night. I pray, Lord, I want to be faithful to preach the word. What about you?
0: For me, I I would go back to Don Baggett, and I was taking some seminary extension classes at the Lee County Baptist Association. And, and I thought about going, I'd actually been offered a job at a school in Florida as an air condition. I was going to do air conditioning work for this school in Florida that was on the coast and take some classes as I could. And I was mentioning that. And somebody had said, well, you need to go try Blue Mountain College. And so, I'd kind of contacted them and then I didn't hear anything back. And I was telling brother Don about it one day and he was drinking his coffee. We were sitting around the table. He was drinking his coffee and he said, well, Thomas, I don't think I would give up on Blue Mountain College yet. I think if I was you, I would just go tomorrow as soon as possible and meet with them and at least have a meeting. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should do that. And the next day I told my wife, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to just go to Blue Mountain and, and see if I can get some information. And through that process, I went to Blue Mountain. And I mean, the trajectory of my ministry changed from that moment forward. And that was good advice that don't give up. You need to go and just go to campus. And talk to them. That was really good advice that changed my life.
1: You know, but both you and I were non traditional students. Remember, I started Blue Mountain College, I was 26. What were you, 24? 24 or 25? Yeah, yes. We were non traditional students, but I remember where I was standing. My wife and I, uh, in the year 2005, in the spring, at the spring of '06, we were walking and we stopped, and basically, I was talking about Blue Mountain College. It had been a dream of mine, but I didn't know if I'd ever be able to go. And she said, "I think you ought to pursue it." And then that fall is whenever I started. And you're right; it changed my life. And little advice along the way has greatly changed our lives. So That's right. we are the recipients of it. Ah, Thomas, this has been good to talk about good advice it was really good to talk about bad advice. May we continue to give good advice and may we shy away from bad advice. And for the listeners, thank you so much for listening. Join us again next time.